0: And Tate at home. God, I know there's so many more like that here today that know of people that are sick or friends that are home, family that's home. God, we just lift them up to you in prayer. Lord, we know that whole families are missing because of the sickness. Lord, we just pray that you be with them, Lord, and that they could feel your love and, and contentment, God. That even though they're not here with us this morning, Lord, that we are loving on them through your spirit, God, and that they could feel us thinking about them, Lord, lifting them in prayer. Uh, God, as we lift them to you for healing, Lord, and for comfort. God, I pray that you be with every person that has made it today. God, that our hearts and minds, Lord, would be open to your word this morning. God, that we would allow you to transform us today. God, our way of thinking. Lord, our way of living. God, we need help. God, we need help. You tell us that if we turn away from our wicked ways, God, and we fall on our knees humbly before you that you'll change our land, God. We need more of that. God, that we would have people break down and lose themselves and find you. God, that today would be that day. Lord, I pray that if you've been speaking to anybody, God, that today would be their day of salvation, God, that they wouldn't put you off any longer, that they would live in the now, God, and surrender their life to you today. God, today is a great day, and we are thankful for it, Lord. Lord, we pray all these things in your Son's holy and precious name. Amen. I forgot what I titled this. Forget the past. Um, so many times we live on, on things that happened in the past, and we allow it to um, affect our present and our future. I don't know about anybody else, but I, I've, I've made some bad decisions in my life. Um, I've had to live those decisions out. But it has made me who I am today. I regret some of my decisions, but it doesn't deserve my focus or my attention because I can't go back and change them. And if I spend so much time focusing on them, it's going to affect how I live today. And it's going to affect how I live tomorrow. Sure, people have hurt me in the past. People have done me wrong. But if I dwell on those things, I can never reach tomorrow. I have a couple of quotes that says, If Satan can tie you to yesterday, you can't move to tomorrow. Satan wants to bind your thoughts, your mind, your imaginations. He wants to take captive everything that he can take captive of. He wants to leave you living in your bad decisions. He wants to leave you living in that built-up animosity or bitterness towards one another. He wants to leave you wallowing in your sorrows of bad decisions. He wants to, to leave you in a place of unforgiveness where you just have that hatred towards another person or a place or a thing. Satan wants you to stay there. Why? Because you become ineffectual. When you are focused on it. We all have our bad days. I have my bad days where I'm kind of grumpy. My wife the same. But we try to realize when we have those bad days. And we try to separate ourselves from one another. So that we don't rub off as Annika was talking this morning. uh, But when I first come up here. We have an effectualness that when we're living in a bad area of our life. To spread that bad area to other people. If I'm living in anger and hate of the past, guess what it's going to affect my today? Because I'm going to carry that anger and I'm going to pass it on. Any thoughts that you're carrying, any feelings that you're feeling, you effectually pass that on to everybody that you come in contact with, whether you want to or not. If you wake up bitter, guess what your household that morning is probably going to get bitter right along with you. If you wake up and your head pops off the pillow and and you're bright and shiny, guess what you're also going to pass along? That used to build up hate in my house too because I was a morning person. I'd pop off the pillow and I'd get a hold of Misty and wake up. and It would make her mad. Um, So we can go the other way. But most generally, what I'm getting at is you pass along the feelings that you're thinking. You pass along the feelings that you're feeling, whether you want to or not. I've been around groups of people and they don't understand or realize their effectualness that they have on a group of different people. And so I used to coach little kids and still do, but if you get one kid that's sad, it pulls the rest of the kids in to see at least what's wrong. And then they start thinking about that one kid. I don't know how many of you, but I've worked in and have been a foreman of groups of on the road. And it was one of the hardest jobs of my life because I lived with the crew that I was forming over. And that's really hard to do, to organize in a work setting. And then guess what? You don't get to get away from and go home at night. You're still with them. And you're with them for 30 days. But when one of them shows up to work bitter and they start doing things wrong and corrective action has to take place, the whole group feels it. It's not just one member that fills the bitterness. It's the whole team that the bitterness spreads to. And it builds up anxiety. And it builds up animosity. And one thing said bad to another leads to something bad being said back. And then the person that's standing there feels that awkwardness of that, that hate and that buildup. We can't allow ourselves... To live in the past, whether it's good or whether it's bad. If I had this outstanding high school basketball career, which I did not, but let's just say that I did, and that I was an all state athlete and and had a whole bunch of scholarships to go play Division I ball, and then all of a sudden I blew out my knee, and that never happened. And 30 years ago or 30 years from now, I'm talking about how great I was in high school and I never got past that. It's going to hold me back from doing things that I could be doing because my focus is in the past instead of on the now. Yes, it's great to have good accomplishments in your past, but they're in your past for reasons because they're not made to focus on today. God can teach you things. We can focus on the lessons that were learned and apply them to the now, but the real focus is the now. So, when we talk about that, I'm going to be in, in 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 10, and I'm going to bounce over a lot of places today because I want to give you strength and encouragement today to get past the yesterday. I want to give strength and encouragement. God wants to encourage you to get past the yesterday so that you can live in the now and you can focus on the Him in the future. Because I love that. Jesus was hung on the cross. He was buried and resurrected. And before He ascends into heaven, He tells them, I will return. We have a great Return coming. My Savior, your Savior, is coming back for us. That's a hope that we all share together once we accept Him as Savior. That's a hope that we all have to live for. Gwen made mention this morning in, in Sunday school you know, a lot of the comfort in getting sick or going through trials and tribulations is the knowing where you're going. Whether you get healthy and get healed or don't get healed and you pass away, we have a future glory coming to us that are children of the King. Amen? We're heirs to the kingdom of God, he says. Jesus is going to build us a room in his mansion where we're going to sing praises to God all day. There isn't no sun because God is light. Amen? I just can't even imagine... uh, being in the presence of God where there, hasn't, there doesn't need to be a son because he's so righteous and so glorified that he exuberates this light that lights everything. What an amazing thought of the glory to come. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There's a couple things that I wanted to point out in this passage. The first one is in verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We talked a little about this morning that grace is not made for the flesh. Your flesh doesn't need to be forgiven because it's not eternal. It's not everlasting. Your flesh cannot have everlasting life. But your spirit can. And so grace is made for the spirit of things. It's not made for the flesh. The flesh can be torn up and thrown away, and it doesn't matter as long as you have accepted a savior, because your spirit will live on. The flesh does not matter. That's why we don't war against the flesh. Although a person of my size will beg to differ because I war against my flesh expanding all the time. But that will not matter in the end. I'm going to be one of those well, it's going to be awesome. Crown of glory, man, I'm excited. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Why? Because it doesn't matter. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. As we look across our country, even our town, in the midst of our own church, there are strongholds. Why are they called strongholds? Because they're strong. There are things that we can't fight in our flesh. There's things that we can't fight through the Spirit on our own. But the strength comes from God. The weapons of warfare are not carnal. Because if I try to battle evil on my own through my flesh, I will fail and I will be overtaken. But through God Almighty, I have the strength to tear down strongholds. If Satan is binding you, you're going to have to go somewhere else for strength. You're going to have to go to God. that He can help you tear down the strongholds. In verse 5, it says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Why does it call it a high thing? Because the devil has power on this earth. To say that he doesn't have power that goes beyond our carnal is foolish talk. And you're going to get bound up in it, and he's going to pull you down. To think that Satan does not have power on this earth is foolish. I've had a a talk with a a drug addict that is now clean. Um, Praise be to God. But in talking with him and hearing his testimony and his story, he'd done a lot of things along his way that didn't make sense until the blinders fell off. and he talked about going to a man's house, and that the street that he turned on, he turned on it because it was his last name. And he doesn't know because he was high on drugs, if it was all just an illusion, but it made sense to him after the blinders come off. He turned down the street one night. There was no street lights. But there was this house far away, and he drove up to this house, and it had one light on. He walked to the front porch because he felt like God was telling him to go and talk to this man. Well, naturally, he thought he was going to talk to this man because he thought this man had a revelation for him that would help him cure of his drug problem. He got up to the door. He knocked on the door. The man answered. answered. He walked in. He said, I had about a two and a half, three hour conversation with this man. And before he got up to leave, the man started crying. He said, I'm so glad that you came. I was fixing to put an end to my life, but you've given me hope. You've given me hope. I understand now that there's people out there that don't even know me that care about me. The devil has power on this earth. They call it strongholds because it's it's more than what we can battle on our own. The same guy, the night that he received the Lord back into his life, or actually acknowledged him, he came to the end of his rope. It was the only strength he had. Like I said, at the end of that yo-yo, God still had a hold of him. God was still working on him, and he finally relinquished To back his life back to God that night. And he said, I actually seen hands come off of my eyes. Amen. He said, I gave my life back to God. And I truly had a desire to start living a life for God again. he said, that night as I fell to my knees weeping and crying out for the Lord. I seen hands come off my eyes. And he said, at that instant I knew the devil had blinded me. I couldn't see God because I had allowed the devil to place his hands over my eyes so that I couldn't see the things that I was doing. I couldn't see the people that I was hurting. He's going around sharing his testimony now but he knows that he can't live in that past even though it was a great experience and he learned a lot of things, but if he goes back to that, it's sorrowful because of the amount of people that he hurt, the amount of things that he did. He tells a story, but his focus is on people now. His focus is trying to influence addicts and people like him that are battling depression and other mental diseases that there are strongholds that Satan has that can be torn down through the power of God Almighty. And so even though he's talking about his past, his testimony, he's focused on the here and the now and the future of these people's lives that are walking around that he is affecting. So even though he's He's living, telling the story of his past. His focus is now and the eternal future of the people that he's talking to. His focus isn't on the past. We have to remember that even though we're driving in a car, and it's a perfect symbolism that how big the windshield is so that you can see all around you moving forward and the rear view mirror is so small because you don't need to spend as much time looking back. And so as we're focusing on what's in front of us and what's on the here and now, and if I'm looking for a sign that's way ahead out in front of me, I will miss something that's right in front of me. God says don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough stuff happening today. I've got you. Don't live in the past. Live in the now. Isaiah 54, verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. I want you to know how much power is in this verse. If you have a stronghold coming against you, if Satan is trying to lift your life, rip your life apart, go to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, and you pray this verse. And you pray this verse. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in the judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, says God. Because they are mine. Because they are my servant. Because they are my people. Because they are my child. No weapon that Satan can form will stand against you. Anybody that talks blasphemy against you, it will not stand because this is my child. He has my power. I will tear all of these things down because this is my child. Now, you may bear that weight to the grave, but living from the grave, we are set free from the hatred, from the bad talks, from the bad things of this world. We are truly set free. Because death doesn't hold us anymore. Because Jesus arose and sits on the right hand of the father. So will we go up to sit in front of that throne. In Romans 8, anytime I say Romans 8 around my house, my wife is like, well, that's my favorite chapter of the Bible. Romans 8 has a lot of good stuff in it. Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. That is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. There's not more beautifully said than that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? No. Distress? Nope. Persecution? Nope. Famine, nakedness, peril, or the sword? Does anybody get what I'm saying this morning? These things of this earth will not tear you away from your salvation through Jesus Christ. We have to stop letting the things of this world separate us from God. It's time for God's children to realize who they are and the power that they have to overcome. It says we are more than conquerors. Why? Because we get eternal things. We are more than conquerors of this world. We will not die here. Our flesh goes away. But we will no longer serve death because Jesus Christ died for us and was resurrected. We don't serve death any longer. We're set free from the bondage of death. We are more than conquerors, so the battles we face today are earthly battles. They're fleshly battles, and if they are not, God says, come to me. I will give you strength because you're more than just a conqueror. I know Satan has power, but he doesn't have more power than what I have. You are more than a conqueror of this world. You are a conqueror of death through my son that I sent for you. Act like it. The problem is, is that we have all this knowledge. We have all this knowledge, but we don't live it out because we haven't gained the wisdom yet. We know what we could be, but we aren't living in that. We allow this earth to tell us what we can and can't be. Science tells us that somebody literally cannot come back from the dead. Somebody cannot stop breathing for 10 minutes and still live. Somebody cannot go without food for 40 days and still be alive. The world tells us all these things that we have seen proven to be different. There was a boy that spent more than 10 minutes underwater, had no pulse, was not breathing. The nurse in the ambulance felt God tell her to pray over him, and he started breathing. Amen? Amen. The strongholds that are set up by Satan can be torn down through the power of God. If you're living in past afflictions, if you're living in current depression, just know that this is a season that you're walking through, that God is building you for something more, and you're going to keep facing it, and you're going to keep facing it until you have decided that God has given you the power to overcome it. We faced a similar situation. I give my wife fits about it all the time. We were so ready to build this new house and we put our house on the market and it had been on the market for a year, year and a half. And my wife was like, we just, I just, I'm so ready to get out of this house. I'm ready to get out of this house. And we've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go. And I'm sitting here going, my mind's telling me, yes, my pocketbook is saying you can't afford two mortgages and you'll lose both places. The bank would tell me the same thing. You can't afford two mortgages. I was like, there's nothing we can do. We're here until the house sells. What my wife was learning in that battle was find contentment where you're at. God spoke to her and said, when are you going to be okay here? When are you going to be okay in this? Stop worrying about everything. Stop worrying about this house selling. Stop worrying about it not being exactly what you want and know that I've got you. We've had our house for sale for a year and a half, haven't even had a bite on it. Within three months of my wife saying, Okay, God, if I have to live here the rest of my life, I'm good. I'm good with it. I am good where I'm at. I'm confident in where you've got me because if this is where I stay, this must be where you want me to be. And I'm good with being where you want me to be. Three months, pow, house sold. We started building our new one. I tease her all the time. I'm like, why did you wait so long? (laughs) Told you we were stubborn, but year and a half, come on. But how else are we like that? How else are we holding on to things from the, fa- the past that may be holding us back from the things to move into the future? To move closer to God, we harbor hatred. And we harbor unforgiveness. And we allow it to put blinders in our lives so that we can't live the now and we dang sure can't live the future. Because we're allowing Satan to have a stronghold on our life and not see the things that God wants us to see. Why? Because we've allowed Satan to take territory that is not his. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, you said yes to all the territories, every piece of your body, every thought that you think, every word that you speak, everything that you hear, you have allowed God to take control over. But then all of a sudden, hey, I want to think what I want to think. And so I start thinking things and then pretty soon I take back my own mind and then I hand it to Satan. How often do we do that? How often do we not think about godly things? We want to be bitter. God, just let me be bitter for today. Has anybody said that? God, I just want to be, just let me be mad. Just let me be mad. I just want to be mad for a while. Okay, be mad. So I take that piece of my mind back, I take that piece of my heart back, and guess what? That anger pulls over me, and it gets worse, and it festers, and it builds, and it builds, and it gets stronger, and pretty soon I'm going, here, Satan, take this. See what you can do with it. Because I took it from God, and now I want to give it to you. Because anger is not of you, so I took it, and I gave it to you, Satan. Satan. And then all of a sudden we hit the end of our yo-yo string and we're down on our knees because we don't have the strength to take it back on our own. So we fall on our knees and we pray to God and we say, God, help me with this. I need to get back to the person I was. I need to move forward with my life. This is hindering me from being the person that you've called me to be. God, help me. And he says, child, No weapon formed against you will stand under my authority. Satan does not have those strongholds on you. That is my territory. And you proclaim it and you'll have it in my name. The problem is, is we don't want to fight for it. We don't want to go through the tribulation to gain territory back. Because we think it's not important. He says all of your heart. I want all of it. I don't want pieces of it. I want all of your heart. I want all of your mind. Take every thought and make it obey Christ. Not some of them. All of them. Man, I really dislike that person. Wait a second. I'm going to back up here. God's trying to show me something. Because God doesn't dislike anybody. Anybody. God created them. Why do I dislike them? Is it them or is it me? Maybe my walk's not good enough. Maybe my walk's not strong enough. That's why that thought crept into my mind in the first place. Because guess what? I'm focused on them and not Him. Our focus gets out of whack and out of kilter. Because anytime we're thinking about us, we're not thinking about Him. Anytime we're thinking about somebody else that we may not like, we're taking our thoughts off of God and we're thinking about them. We're giving the devil power that he shouldn't have by taking back what we rightfully gave for God on our day of salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for the victory. The war has been won. We're going to battle. We're going to battle. And there's going to be some righteous battles. And Kenny loves some righteous slayings. I seen a picture of a fire the other day that was, it looked like a person on a horse and a sword up in the air. And I thought, I thought of you, man. I was like, that's Kenny. He loves it. And then I read a part in Revelations the other day that talked about everybody that's coming behind Jesus, the Jesus' army that He's built to bring back to battle, that they will file Him on white horses with swords. I want to be in that army, man. I want to be called upon by God to fight His battles with Him. But guess what? There's a training period. Man, the first three weeks of basketball season... Morris can talk about this. From November 1 to November 21, it's about in there. Man, you're going to run a lot of line drills. You're going to be in intense physical training because you have to be ready for that first game in three weeks. We would run the campus when I was in high school. Man, it was brutal because, I mean, believe it or not, I'm not a runner anymore. But that was brutal, man. But guess what? That intense training, that physical pain that you felt when you win that first basketball game of the season, the victory is there because of the tribulations and the trials and the training that you went through to seize that victory. No pain, no gain, right? If you ever truly want to get wise, then you have to live some things. Look at Solomon. Solomon, considered the wisest man ever, lived through a lot of different things. And he was like, oh man, probably shouldn't have done some of those things. Why? Because it's all for naught. I lived all these things. I had everything. I've done everything. I've said everything. And it means nothing. The training process is what we don't want to like. We want to be somebody. We want to be something for the kingdom of God. We want to go see our Creator. We want to live with Him. We want to sing praises to Him. We want to rejoice in Him and the, the flow of living water that comes out from under His throne and the light that He presumes. We want that, but we don't want to work to get there. Your salvation is a free gift, but if you're not working, somebody's not going to hear about it. If we're not telling people who is. That's a whole nother sermon. What I'm saying today is that we have the power and we have the strength to get past ourselves through Christ Jesus and the power of God. Because when I'm focused on me, I'm not focused on him. Bob, when I'm focused on you, I'm not focused on him. Maybe Bob done something that just really ticked me off the other day. But every ounce of thought of energy that I give to what Bob did to tick me off is every ounce of energy and thought that I'm not given my Creator. And He says, I want all of it. I don't want some of it. I want all of it. So anytime that I give light to that, I'm not giving light to my Creator. Because we have the victory. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Man. If you're doing work for the Lord, it's not in labor, he says. Or it's not in vain. Anything that you do for the kingdom of God has eternal life. Do we know that? Everything that we do for the kingdom of God has eternity labeled with it says everything else that you're going to build here on earth, your houses, your cars, your reputation, everything that you build here on earth will go away because it will be tried by fire and it won't stand. Everything's going away. Except for the kingdom work that you did. The kingdom work that you did, the seeds that you planted, that God manifested into saving souls will stand forever. They'll always be there. So the seeds that we plant in our neighbors, the seeds that we plant in our kids, the seeds we plant in our friends, our family, these are eternal seeds that you're planting. I heard somebody say one time, you can't just go throwing seeds everywhere. You know, there's a parable about that. Jesus talks about seeds falling this and falling that and falling this. But a handful of seeds will never grow if you walk around with a handful of seeds and never drop one of them, it will never have a chance to grow. Ever. The, whole, the more tightly we hang on to things of this, earl, this world, the farther we get away from God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course And be glorified even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. It's a warning, right? God, we're going to need your help. We need you because I pray that we'll be delivered from the unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. You're going to come up against some stuff that is not righteous. That is not kingdomly. God pray that I act and react. Mindfully to the kingdom. Verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. Who shall establish you. And keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. That you both do and will do. The things which we have commanded you. God puts a trust in you. He gave us the instruction manual. He says live this and you'll be all right." Live this and one day after you go through all the tribulations and things that Satan can throw at you, live this and you'll get to come home. Do what I say and you'll get to come home because you can refute the devil, you can cast him out of places that he doesn't belong because I've given you that power. So why do we continue in our daily lives allow the devil to have and gain more territory as we harbor hatred feelings, as we harbor non-forgiveness? We're giving devil territory that is not his. But we have the strength to cast those strongholds down. We don't have to live like that. We don't have to live like that. We may, for a season, endure some things because God is building us for something greater. But it will not overtake us. He says, Though you'll be surrounded on every side, you will not be overtaken. Why? Because God is stronger than anything that Satan can dish out. God is. I didn't say you are, I said God is. That's something we have to remember. No weapon formed against us will stand. It doesn't matter if you die. That's what Paul said. And Paul got the realization that even though I'm here on my last leg. And I'm facing death. It doesn't matter. Because guess what? I've been doing the work of the kingdom. And God's just calling me home. It's my time. I'm ready to go. He says I fought the good fight of faith. I'm ready to go. I hope i can say that when i get to the end man wow well done good and faithful servant are words that i desire to hear out of my creator's mouth amen i hope that we can all unify in that desire to hear those words spoken from god himself well done good and faithful servant oh man it gives me chills john 10 starting in verse 7 Then said Jesus unto the again event, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We have to remember what Satan's job is. Steal, kill, and destroy. We have to remember who our adversary is and what he's trying to do with us. He's going to try to steal your joy. He's going to try to kill your happiness. He's going to try to squash your testimony. He's going to try to make you sit there, hands folded across your lap, mouth shut. That's a perfect Christian for Satan. Sitting in a church pew, hands across his lap, mouth shut, not saying anything. That's right where Satan wants you as a Christian. Because guess what? You're having a non effect for the kingdom of God. A non effect. We have to know what Satan's trying to do, and he's trying to do anything to still kill and destroy who God has created us to be. He will do it at any length any measure that he has to. We have to remember who Satan is and what he's trying to do. Thanks for the catch on this Anita. Second Peter does not have a chapter 5. I wrote it down wrong. So, First Peter chapter 5 First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Do we remember in Job when Satan comes to God? He's like, "Where you been?" He's like, "I ah, just roaming." I nah, just been roaming. Just been down there looking at your creation, seeing who I can pick off, see who the weaker ones are, because that's who I'm going to pick off first. He's a roaring lion. You ever watch any of those YouTube videos where you get a, a sick ox out there and it gets all alone? It don't take long, man. Those lions will pick it off. And it's gone. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in this world. You're not alone. Satan wants to isolate. Satan wants to isolate. He wants to pull us apart. He wants to pull the weak out by itself. Why does he want to separate the weak from the rest of the herd? Because the weak gets weaker once it's separated. I never understood the power of having a church family until I had a church family. I thought I was alright by myself. I'm good. I got this on my own. I don't need help. That's foolish thinking. We need our church family. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need not be isolated because when we isolate ourselves, we weaken ourselves. We talked about in Sunday school this morning about what could our group do to help other people. And I believe that the, one of the strongest things that our group can do is get to know each other's strengths. So, then that, that way, anybody that approaches any one of us, our group strength is in me. Our group strength is in Kenny because he has resources. Julie can call on other people. Kenny, Lavise, we can call on each other if we don't feel that that is one of our special strengths. But a unified body has strength. If I don't know any of Kenny's life and I don't know Kenny and somebody approaches me with something that I've never heard of or experienced before, I'm not going to be a lot of help. But if I know Kenny and I know a little bit about what Kenny's been through and I know what Kenny stands for and I feel what Kenny feels and I know he's under the same authority that I am, I can be like, brother, I'm going to give you a phone number and you can call this guy and this guy will blow your socks off because he can help you way more than I can. I'll go with you and we'll go to him together, but he's got way more experience, way more strength and can give you way more help than what I can give you alone. But if I don't know my group, if I don't spend time getting to know my group, if I don't know what my group's strength is, then guess what? I'm turning that man back out on the streets all alone because I don't know how to help him. I'm sorry, man. I don't I don't know anything about that. i, I got nothing for you. Read your Bible. Go on. That's what we do. How often have we done that? Who's done that? I've done that. I don't know how to help you. Sorry. But if I know my church family, if I know what spiritual strengths that they have, then man, I can get people help. But the whole problem is the body's not unified anymore. The body doesn't know which other parts are even there. Much less are they working together to build something stronger. They don't even know what parts are available. They don't know what strength their church has. Why? Because they're never there. They're never in church for anything. They never come to anything extra. They don't want to get to know the rest of their family in Christ. I was that guy. I've been there. Man, isolate myself myself. I show up on Sunday. I'm good. I'll get my fix and I'll go home and I can live my life and I don't need to get to know people there because I'm good. Nah, you're not that good. Under your own power and your own strength, you will fall. And guess what? If you isolate yourself, you've got no friends there to help pick you back up. It's a tough spot. It's a tough spot to be. We all have lives and we all got things. The kingdom should be first. Verse nine says, "Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, You are not alone." There's other people out there experiencing the same things that you are. There's other people out there that have experienced the same things that you're going through right now. And you have a God above that wants to walk with you through it. Verse 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you amen what a promise to stand on says after a little while after you've suffered a little while why because it's just a little while anything that you can suffer on this earth is just a little while man you can be homeless for just a little while you can bet if i was homeless i'd be on a beach down south somewhere (laughs) i ain't gonna live here it's too cold in the winter time but it's just a little while says, after a little while, Jesus will make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Verse 11, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What a wonderful book of promises that we have in God's word and testimony. It gives stories of other brothers and sisters in Christ that they've went through, that they've succeeded through. It gives me power and encouragement. The words of Isaiah that says no weapon formed against me will stand. To know what Paul went through. To realize that all these things that I'm going to experience down here are temporal things. Don't get hung up. Don't get hung up in living in the past, whether it be good or bad. Share your testimony, but make sure your testimony is not focused on the past, but it's focused on the person that you're sharing it with right in front of you for the kingdom of God. Those are eternal things that you will say. Those are the things that will still be standing after fire has come and wiped out this world. Your eternal things. To be talked to, well done, good and faithful servant. Wow. What a powerful, powerful thing. We're going to open up the altars today. If you'd please stand with me. God's word is so powerful. God's word can move mountains. And I I pray that you get in there. Um, I pray that you know God's word because there is so, so much power in it. These strongholds that Satan is putting on this world are getting stronger by the day. And to think that Satan doesn't have power is foolish thinking because he does. You're going to need God and you're going to need God's family to fight it. Because as it gets stronger, he's going to keep isolating people and he's going to start picking them off one by one because Satan never stops. That means neither should we. We should never stop. Through the strength of God, we should never stop. Because we know that our trials and our afflictions are only for a little while. That if you give everything that you can give while you're here, that you will find rest when it's all said and done. I was going to read out of Revelations 21, but read it at home. It gives a description of some of the things that you're going to see in heaven. Man, what a place we've got waiting for us. What a place we've got to call home. But if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't get to call it home yet. We're not going to the same place if you don't know Jesus Christ. Me and you are not headed to the same place. A decision has to be made. And if you never make a decision to accept Lord and Jesus Christ as your Savior, the decision has been made for you. There are one or two places they're going to go after we leave this world. It's a brutal, honest truth, but sometimes we got to hear that. If you haven't made a decision yet, I pray that today is that day. I pray that somebody's life today would be changed forever, that they would make a decision to follow Christ. If you need to be prayed with or don't know how or just have questions, grab somebody's hand. We'll go in a side room. We'll walk out the back of the church. We can talk about it up here. Ask your questions. Get to know Christ as Savior. There's nothing shameful about not knowing. There is so much that I don't know. Ask the question. That's going to be the most important thing that you can do. Ask the question and then you're engulfed into a family. The altars are open.